0: Welcome to Writing Wrongs here at Hudgel Solicitors. I'm joined by Executive Chairman Neil Hudgel. Welcome, Neil. Good afternoon. Neil, as someone who represents victims of the post office scandal and supports them in clearing their names, it's been an extraordinary month ever since the ITV drama Mr. Bates versus the Post Office. What has been the effect of turning those real life stories into a TV drama? that's now been watched by millions
1: you're right it's been a extraordinary month it's been a month like no other Uh, today's of the first time in a month we've probably had the opportunity to sit down and reflect on what's gone on the last few weeks and it obviously starts with the drama that's reached you know i wouldn't even say all four corners of the united kingdom it's reached all over the world you know we've done tv interviews in uh, the United States, uh, Europe, Germany, basically all over. So it's a story that has resonated globally. Uh, and with that, has obviously come the, the, the scrutiny and focus of ordinary people that are outraged, um, which in turn, as well as creating a sort of deluge of publicity, has led to government, Taking some quite unique steps in the last
0: few weeks. Do you think that public outrage has prompted the government to take action?
1: I think the the sort of outcomes from the drama speak for themselves. So there's been an ongoing dialogue with government over how to compensate people, how to redress the balance with those that remain convicted for some while. Um, But the pace of change after Christmas has been obviously phenomenal Uh, and it can only be put down to the drama and the impact of the drama and how it has caused this indignation and outrage on a whole new level.
0: How many new victims have come forward since the drama was broadcast and what's been your message to them?
1: Well there's been over 500 new victims that have come forward uh, since broadcast of the drama, there's been other people that have come forward as well. So it's not just been victims, but it's been uh, whistleblowers, uh, people with information of interest to the inquiry, um, people with offers of help, so professionals that want to do something for nothing, um, people that might want to fundraise. But the bulk of the people are people that are victims, uh, uh, and they have range from people that were uh, convicted and imprisoned to those that uh, simply lost the job or or lost um, money through having to pay back shortfalls. In some instances, quite a number of people that have lost parents um, and want to try and do something to clear their name many years after they've gone. Um, mm. uh, and sort of others that have been so heavily traumatised, not been able to do anything, but now feel rather more empowered again because of the sort of groundswell of support that there's been. So overall the numbers are still rising, you know, we're like now into five weeks since the drama uh, and we're still getting a a steady flow of people coming to us. The message really is fairly simple in that, you know, we've got a lot of experience now of dealing with these claims. Um, We understand them. Nothing surprises us. I think that every case is unique on its own facts, but we see some trends and we see what horrors have been inflicted on them. Um, and so we know really how how to go about dealing with these badly aggrieved people in a sensitive manner, in a process that's relatively straightforward. You know, there's not a huge amount for them to do. Um, they obviously have to provide them with, provide us with their instructions but essentially we do all the heavy lifting Um, uh, and we also have we have access to um, not only professionals to assist them with some of the um, the trauma aspects of it but we have access to a good number of sub postmasters that have been through the journey
0: that are very willing to to sit and share their stories. Well some of the people who've come forward to contact you some of those victims they've been silent for up to 20 years or more have they explained why they've been so reluctant to come forward up until now? Uh, yes and no. I mean,
1: they don't really have to because we understand why, because we've seen it in so many uh, medical reports that we've had prepared for clients that have, as I say, gone through the journey. It's this deep trauma. It's actually, you know, it's an, in many instances, a, a, a medically diagnosed psychiatric condition that's has stopped them from coming forward, you know, paranoia sort of deep-seated fear, anxiety. Um, and so what people have said is really just a sort of validation of what we already knew is that they were f- f- frightened of post office, frightened of the legal uh, system, frightened of professionals and frightened of believing what professionals tell them. So there's a whole range of things there. And then, again, there's still some aspects of unawareness in, in, in some instances and that, that there is a sort of general belief as well that because they're not able to document something that happened so long ago um, that that somehow is a bar to them doing something which we've said to them look you know it's a very common occurrence that someone comes to us with incredibly limited information we get people come to us that saying I think my mum and dad was convicted of x y and z this many years ago but I don't really know much about it is there anything I can do and say well yes there is we can you know we can make some basic inquiries we can find out and we take, we we draw an assumption or a presumption that there's something in it unless post office can prove to the contrary. You know, we think that that sort of burden of proof is is not necessarily to be reversed, but for the people to be given the ultimate benefit of the doubt unless there's something that that suggests otherwise. Um, and so the and, and the other sort of sort of angle on that is, again, when children come forward, the parents that have died, they say, well, you know, I don't really know what went on. And that again was a common feature that we've established. I spoke to somebody who'd only just told their children what had gone on 20 years ago, literally in the last few weeks. So parents were very good at harbouring, in many instances, their, their story from the people that were closest to them, right up to this point in the journey which if you take it right back to what you, you you asked at the start about the impact of the drama, I think that there's this sudden relief that um, people now actually know that we're innocent and and can find that strength to, to properly share the stories.
0: Now, you recently gave evidence to MPs at Westminster into a committee looking into the post office scandal, and you raised concerns over compensation offers... And the historical shortfall scheme. What issues exist there?
1: Well, there's a, there's a number of issues, and the, the issues actually sort of bleed into the various schemes. And one of one of the issues is slowness, so everything takes forever. Um, the second issue is essentially um, the offers and the amounts that when they do come through. I mean, we saw last week the Alan Bates offer in the GLO scheme, which um, I'm not privy to the detail of that, but if, if you talk in general terms, you, the, the offer was approximately something about 20% of the value of the claim that was submitted, and that's something I've seen reflected across a number of offers that that we have had, and I think the problem is that the, the post office engage on a forensic troll for information that doesn't exist. Because of the passage of time, because of the absence of documentation, because of documentation that post office themselves retained when they dismissed the postmaster. So there's a great need to look at how we give the benefit of the doubt in those circumstances to the postmaster, which isn't happening at the moment. So there's a lot of good intent around compensating people fully and fairly. But on the ground, when it comes to an analysis of the fine detail of what's being submitted, that's not happening. And that's that's real and obvious cause for concern, because if you look at it like this, you've got a four-part drama named after a man that is the leading crusader, and the government make a series of announcements in the week that follow that starts to potentially repair some of the goodwill that needs to be repaired. Um, and then immediately it gets undermined by a cruel derisory offer being submitted that immediately makes the front pages of the the newspapers and sets everybody back to base one and accusing um the government and post office of of playing games saying one thing uh, and acting in another way and then the other the other the other issue that's that's discreet to the hss the historical shortfall scheme is the obvious and uh, very clear situation that a lot of claims have been undersettled. A lot of claims we've settled without legal advice. A number of those people have come to us, and a very crude analysis of their offers demonstrates that there are some major concerns there.
0: Well, you say major concerns, but have you not described some of those offers as a scandal within a scandal?
1: I think it, I think from my understanding of the claims that we have processed and applying the knowledge that we've we've built from them that um, if you work out that 90% of 2,200 cases have been settled without legal advice, if those cases fall into similar categorization of our own, then there are very many hundreds of those cases where there is a very substantial question mark about the level of settlement.
0: What other concerns have reared their head in recent weeks?
1: I think the, the main concern is is around this whole issue of time and resource. So us as claimant lawyers have a job to to present the claims in the best possible light. Our job is to make sure that people are properly compensated. There's only so much that we can do. So we can do our work. We can submit the claims to the post office or to government. And then we have to sit back and wait to see what, what comes back. And very often, what comes back takes a long time to come back. It's unsatisfactory. It raises unreasonable questions and co- and causes further work, but also causes anxiety and upsetment for people that just want to get a, bring an end to things. Um, and so delay is a really significant issue. Um, I think the, uh, there is a need to relook at the availability of meaningful interim payments so that people are, are able to um, take their time in the right circumstances to make proper decisions because, again, there's evidence of some people taking um, offers in full and final settlement when they're clearly below the value of of, uh, of their case but feel compelled to do so because they're running out of time or they need money. Um, and therefore, you know, we're pushing hard at the minute for a, a process of further... Guaranteed interim payments in appropriate circumstances for
0: particular types of cases There are concerns also about family members of sub postmasters who were also affected and Also deserve compensation
1: Yeah, very much so. I mean in the in the, in the same way that sub postmasters have suffered so as those that are closest to them the people that They, they live with the wives the children the parents what very often would bailing them out financially um, so there, there are categories of uh, potential claimants though who have no redress at the moment, and I mean I can I can see why government might be reluctant to um, compensate them because obviously it broadens the net of the number of people that would be able to potentially claim compensation from several thousand to several thousand more and beyond, and I guess to some extent it's where do you where do you draw the line? What, what are the Range of claimants. Um, what interests me is what Fujitsu said at the public um, at the uh, parliamentary subcommittee in terms of moral obligation to compensate. It might be that that takes some form of um, funding for a family-related compensation scheme. That's that's one possibility. Uh, but it's something that's been quite important to us, quite important to the uh, advisory board, and important to a lot of commentators is to make sure that the families that have shared this really awful journey um, can possibly tap into some form of redress.
0: Since the drama was broadcast, other issues have arisen um, concerning not just the Horizon scheme, but another computer um, programme that was put in place earlier.
1: Yeah, a very interesting one, actually, because... Um, everyone's been concentrating on Horizon, so in broad terms from the period from 2000 onwards. Um, and in actual fact, there are a number of versions of Horizon that predate 2000. Um, we've evidenced back to 1995 um, of these pilot projects, um, one called... Capture one called ICL Pathway, one called Olber, um, and these are all um, computer systems that again seem to have wrote, thrown off erroneous data that has led to prosecution and dismissal. Um, we have been contacted by an increasing number of people, um, uh, and th- the official line from post offices is that we are to treat them in the same way as uh, Horizon cases. So we're just sort of building up a knowledge bank and database of that. Um, but it, it seems at first value that, well, there will be a number of additional casualties that are actually uh, affected by this uh, scandal.
0: What would you say was the issue at the forefront at the, at the moment? Is it being declared bankrupt continues to be the major concern when it comes to compensation?
1: It's a a raft of the same continuing concerns, not settling enough cases quickly enough because the processes and the resources are in place to do that. Bankruptcy is a very unique set of cases that has additional complication I think the problem with the bankruptcy cases are that um, they're the most complex that have been left to last to start to resolve Now you can can criticise all you like about that but unfortunately that's the position that we're in, and all we can do is try and unravel that and move forward as quickly as possible. But they're they're equally the last cases that you can hugely influence because they're they're mired in red tape and regulation that you can't short-circuit. So once you've got an official receiver involved, they have to go through a process. Uh, And unfortunately, in those cases, so much time has unnecessarily been lost um, that all we can do is damage limitation management um, we are asking post office to look, re-look at some of these cases on an urgent basis because there's a failure to admit that they caused a number of bankruptcies when clearly they, they did. So there's some real flawed logic in some instances that, that needs unpicking. But I think the sort of common message really is that um, things are taking just too long. Uh, and while us as claimant lawyers... Um, can push as hard as we can you know we can't do you know where you meet resistance or delay there's only so much you can do in a in a short time window because in terms of in terms of the three schemes only one the other 10 convictions cases is is the potential remedy of going to court the other two are schemes and they provide their own dispute resolution process over which the timing lays within the gift of government and um, post office. But taking cases to court, overturn convictions to cases to court, is not an attractive proposition purely because of the enemy of time. And if we issue proceedings, the court system is, is well versed, has been in a very big mess, generally, resource wise. Uh, and that is a long term, painful exercise that, you know, if we can avoid it at all costs, we will do.
0: Now, the public inquiry into the post office scandal, the latest session concluded last week. Um, did anything come out of that that surprised you? Um, yeah,
1: I guess probably, actually, yeah. It did surprise me. It was worse than I thought. You know, the, the, the phase four that that ended on Friday was essentially a number of case studies of... Um, case, uh, of Clients who'd been convicted in in many instances, uh, imprisoned. Most of those case studies were were, were our clients, so I wasn't surprised by the sort of factual matrix of the cases that were set down. But what surprised me was the very um, unimpressive evidence of a series of witnesses that were were either investigators or auditors or legal advisors um, For the post office. For the post office, uh, in terms of the lack of very basic legal knowledge uh, you know there were some of the witnesses didn't seem to me to have the same level of experience as some trainee solicitors in this practice you know around duties of, of of disclosure um for example um so that the lack of knowledge uh was one thing um, the lack of uh, pro- professional curiosity was another it, there, there seemed to be a fixed narrative in everybody's mind that these people were guilty. We'll collect the evidence that supports us, we'll ignore the evidence that doesn't support us. So there's this incredibly ingrained culture. And in some instances, what was quite shocking was the fact that a number of witnesses who gave evidence, despite everything, still seemed to believe that some of these people were, were guilty of offences. And then the other the other thing that that that... that Went beyond um, validating what I knew, but what actually surprised me was the lack of any meaningful oversight from management, the turning of a blind eye, um, the failure to ask questions. So, you know, it, it commonly understood about the number of convictions rising rapidly. Nobody asked why. You know, commonly understood there were problems with Horizon nobody would seem to follow through and ask why you know and even when advice was given it was closed down it's very apparent that senior management knew of the problems of the horizon, but closed it down did the more the easier thing than to admit that things were wrong and and, and take steps to remedy that so yeah I think that phase four validated what we knew but actually um, sort of provided those extra unpleasant surprises around lack of knowledge, cultural um, issues and uh, poor management oversight.
0: Phase five of the inquiry starts in April. What can we expect from this stage?
1: Well, there's some, some big names in phase five and um, you know, it's going to be a, a long session because it's going to start in April, but not only with a short break, What we'll won't finish until the end of July, something like 60 witnesses, uh, some big names associated with government, and obviously the CEO of Post Office, Paul Venels, is on that list. Um, There's a few, what I would view as surprising omissions, but um, we'll see how that all unfolds. Although we're not sitting for two months, still a lot of work to do, a lot of documents to get through, uh, a lot of witness statements to review, a lot of questions to be prepared for each of those witnesses. Uh, And in common with everything that we've, or the process that we've followed throughout, don't really want to get into the detail of pre-empting what that evidence might be, other than it's going to be interesting to build on the findings of Phase 4 and see how that takes us with, as I say, some of these key witnesses in the next phase.
0: Well, hopefully we can catch up when Phase 5 concludes. I'm sure we will. Neil Hodge, thank you very much. Pleasure. For more information on how Hudgel Solicitors supports victims of the post office scandal, head to our website. You'll find up-to-date information on appeals against criminal convictions, the historical shortfall scheme offer reviews, and the post office Horizon IT public inquiry.